Um, we remember back when Paul was converted, he was walking on the road to Damascus to go and arrest Christians. He was one of the persecuting forces, actually an arm of the Jews. And uh, in Acts 9, 8, it says, Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand. So after he was, um, he saw Jesus Christ in a, in a revelation, he was now blinded. Okay, and then when he went to Damascus, Ananias, a, a believer there, prayed for him, and it says, immediately there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized so you can see his conversion there had some healing with it or had a healing with it um and i think that's a very important point for his life because uh, as time goes on um he, he seems to have his eyesight trouble kind of plague him and i think it's to remind him of that moment that time where he was he was once against the lord and he was redeemed by the by the lord and get, gained his sight so I think that is very pertinent. Um, Paul used to write the, the letters himself. You can see many times he says, I wrote it with my own hand. I wrote this letter. I wrote that letter. And then he writes the Galatians. He says, you see how large a letter I've written with my own hand? In the book of Galatians, is not very large. So one probably assumes he's talking about the size of each letter when he's talking about that, that he actually had to write it pretty big because of his eyesight. Uh, and then later, you see other um, books where he's, he, there, there's nobody else who's actually writing. He's dictating it to him. So he says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle uh, to the Romans. So uh, as time goes on, he seems to be not having uh, an easy time doing that. Um, I don't think any of us would want to give up our sight. Yeah, uh, That's a pretty important uh, attribute that each of us have as people and uh, as humans we don't really want to give up that so um, I think that that would be really hard uh, especially having seen and not be able to see anymore something you're losing um, the key here I think is in 2nd Corinthians 12 7 to 10 and then it tells us that uh, my grace Jesus said to to uh, Paul, so should back up. Paul asked the Lord three times. He says, uh, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And I think that's very interesting. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is recognizing that when he leans on the Lord, he's a much stronger believer, much stronger person, and that despite having this flesh that's that's weak and 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 hard to deal with, he has a greater hope. And that greater hope is for the future when he no longer is burdened by the flesh. So, so Paul is looking forward and he can rest in and trust in Christ. And, um, and it's through Christ Jesus that he is made whole. So we too can rejoice in our suffering. Um, some of us have far more suffering than others. Some of us um, 
it, particularly in North America, we tend to get away with a, a lot less than in other places in the world. And yet there are other things that we go through as well. I do not want to belittle uh, anything. I, I think, you know, I would not want to be out of my home to, to deal with the black mold. I would not um, want to be bound into a wheelchair or um, so many other things that are, that are really afflictions. And in the midst of those things though, I would encourage you all, we can rejoice. We can rejoice because um, everything that God allows in our lives is for his glory and for his good. And he has a bigger plan than we can know. And so it's an opportunity for us to trust in God, and it's an opportunity for him to demonstrate his grace to us. Now, I also like to point out, it says, for his body's sake was the church. So Paul is, uh, he's willing to suffer for Jesus, for the glory of Jesus Christ, and uh, for the betterment of the church. So Paul was willing to suffer for the establishment of the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ, the same body and temple that's not made with hands that Jesus claimed that he would build in three days. And in Jesus, remember, he said, I'll destroy this temple and I'll raise it up. He, he is making a, a place for us. He's actually building us up. Okay, There's more scriptures coming on that where he, he talks about being fitly joined together. He's putting us together. Uh, we are the temple of God. Paul says, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That's us. We, the believers in Jesus Christ, are the body and the temple of our Lord Jesus. Which means he dwells in us. Uh, in Ephesians 4, we learn that there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called, one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism okay uh you see the word hope hope is so important to us that's what i think paul what what helped paul get through was his hope for getting this flesh off getting getting out of this world and being translated um to the lord jesus or to, to dying and and um and waking up in glory but every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Gift of Christ. God freely gives to us. And uh, we can have faith and hope in that. Uh, Paul also says for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, let's keep going here. Christian, you're a part of the body of the Lord. Now, I say that because I want to not just claim that everybody is part of the body of the Lord. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him, if you have faith in him, you believe on the Lord Jesus, then you are part of the body of Christ. Um, Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body. If he's your savior, then you're part of the body of Christ. First uh, Corinthians 10.16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of or sorry is it not the communion of the blood of christ the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of christ you know today we had our communion we we do that together we we do that in fellowship with one another that's uh as much a part of the point of having the lord's supper is that we do it together 
Uh, we celebrate that. We remember what Jesus has done for us individually and corporately as a group. In Romans 12, 4 to 5, it says, For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We all are part of that body. So for us, Christ is, so, so the body is one. And if you look through this, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 to 20, it says, so the body is one, all the members of that body, or sorry, of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. It says we are baptized into one body, into one spirit. Uh, but God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, uh, where were the body? But now are... So now are they many members, yet one body. So, sorry, a little bit broken up a bit, but all the churches in the world, all the believers in the world, and for all time, we're all part of the body of Christ. Hebrews 11, very, very important for us to always remember Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the the evidence of things not yet seen. Remember I said hope. How do you know you've got hope? Because you've got faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you have faith, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are part of the body of Christ. It's impossible to be part of the body without having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. Okay, verse 25, Colossians 1, 25. says, whereof I am made a minister. Paul was a minister of the gospel. He was a preacher, an apostle, and an evangelist. And his commission specifically was to the Gentiles. So if you're a Jew, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about today doesn't really count. And if you're a Gentile, then that's what my primary focus is on. Uh, as, a, as a church out here, we're probably Gentiles. And uh, he specifically says where I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. This is important. This is part of the mystery of uh, the gospel, that it's not just to the Jew, but that it's to the Gentile, really, the gospel is for everyone. It's been given for everyone the opportunity to repent and trust Jesus Christ. Everyone has that opportunity. So Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And then it says, To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Romans 2.10 says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. The reason why I'm highlighting the words hope and glory, because today that's what we're talking about, is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So if you keep seeing it popping up on the slides, that's why. 
He says, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Well, Paul says he's made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. What does dispensation mean? It just means to dispense, to give out, uh, to meet out. 1 Corinthians 9.17 talks about a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Ephesians 1.10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together one, all in Christ. That's the body of Christ there, guys. That's us. He's going to gather us together as one. That's the rapture. That's the translation. One day he's going to gather us together. And, the, and those who are already dead in Christ, who've already died before us, uh, all together, it's all timeless, together is the body of Christ. Ephesians 3, 2, see if you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. So that's to us, that's to the Gentiles. So that's part of the mystery that we're going to see. And this, of course, is to fulfill the word of God. What is the fulfillment of the gospel? Um, Romans 11.25 says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, that you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. That's a good opportunity for a little bit of a warning, too. Um, sometimes we have uh, some Jewish leaders that have tried to, to uh, put some influence on the modern church, and they do it through a pro process or um, uh, a group called Hebrew Roots, and it's good. Whoops, it's good for us to re remember that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel. So, right now, Israel only sees Old Testament; they don't see New Testament. They haven't given their their faith in Jesus Christ and the New Covenant. They're not part of the New Covenant. So, just remember that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel. They there's still hostility towards the Gentile. There's still hostility towards the uh, the Christian church from the from Judaism because they still hold that they're still jealous to to their own um, well to their own fault. Um, and actually God is going to use that jealousy. That's a different different tangent altogether, but he's going to use that jealousy to provoke Israel to faith in Christ. So that's actually going to be quite amazing. Um, in terms of time, it says until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The mystery here we're talking about is the inclusion of Gentiles and Jews all together as part of the body of Christ and redemption. Galatians 3.8 says all scripture, all scripture and, or sorry, and the scripture, uh, foreseeing God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed, all nations. That's part of the mystery right there. All nations shall be blessed through Jesus Christ. Okay. Colossians 127. I, so to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We'll get to that. Okay. Romans 16, 20, 27. And the... The God of peace shall brute Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I keep hitting my keyboard by accident here. Sorry. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Who's this about? It's all about Jesus and Jesus dwelling in us. He's Jesus Christ be with you, be with you twice. Mystery. The mystery is revealed, the revelation of the mystery. And who is it for? All nations. That's the mystery of the gospel. If God would make it known to us, remember, it's until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. He says he doesn't want us to be ignorant of this mystery. Okay, he doesn't want us to be ignorant of it. He wants us to know it. Oops. Ephesians 3, 1 to 21, uh, just parts of it. So this is how by the revelation he made known unto me the mystery. God has shown Paul the mystery, and he wants us to know the mystery. You may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. It is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals God's plan to us. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And then Paul says, this is what he was made a minister. He says, wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God. See, it was hidden. It was hidden to the Jews. They didn't understand. And he says, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So the Gentiles should become fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That is the mystery that is revealed. Continues, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. For the faith, you got to have faith, which is your glory. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's uh, Ephesians 3.17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ dwelling in our hearts. That comes with by faith. And you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Whoa. You can be filled with all the fullness of God. Christ dwelling in you. Holy Spirit dwelling in you. His word dwelling in you. You can be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to, ex to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, and unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. As we go through these different scriptures that uh, connect to the main passage, just notice one. They're all consistent. They're talking about glory. They're talking about be, uh, being in Christ and Christ in us. They're talking about um, the hope and faith 
And that's the incredible part of our Bible is that it is tied together from the start to the end. There, there's just the same theme woven throughout the whole thing. How many times does mystery come up? I should have looked that up. How many times is it being revealed? You know, uh, and, and this hope in Jesus Christ that we have and that we can rejoice in that. Colossians 1.27 again says, This mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans 9.22-24 compliments this. says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory unto the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us, whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. See, we have a hope in the calling. We're called. You know, the, the Jews were called the, the child, children of God. And we are called sons and daughters of God. We're called the children of God. We got called. That's amazing that God extended his grace, extended his mercy to us and called us. We have hope in that. And it's unto glory in Jesus Christ. And Philippians 1, 19 to 25. He says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope. And if you look into the word earnest, it means surety. It's, it's basically like when you put a down payment on a home. It seals the deal. You still got to pay for it. There's still the, uh, it's still going to happen, but it's, it's sealed the deal. You can be sure the deal is done now. So earnest. And he says, my earnest expectation and my hope that nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am, this is Paul having a having trouble with, should I, I would love to leave and be with Christ, but I'm here to, to help and, and to, to suffer through it for the church's sake. And he says, uh, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with all for the furtherance and joy of faith. See, it always ties back together. Christ with us, faith. First Peter 1, 3 and 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. It's not a dead one. It's just a, a very exciting, lively hope. And sometimes we get into a rut. And we need to remember these things, that it's a very exciting hope. We are going to be with our Lord forever by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. See, it's reserved. That's that earnest expectation. That's the hope, that it's reserved. We, we, it's like you have a reservation there 
your seat, your name, your table, you're going. Now, if you don't have hope in that, start praying. <laughs> Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. We are kept by the power of God. Is there anything more powerful than the power of God? You should shake your heads now. There's nothing more powerful than the power of God. So we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See the language there again? Revealed mystery in the last time. We're going to greatly rejoice. That's what we need to do is rejoice. So now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. Like it's hard. He was going through a lot of things. And we all go through a lot of things. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. That's for purification, by the way, tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our of Jesus Christ. As a have a chat with my mom a couple days ago, and I was just reflecting on how all those trials and difficulties, they're just birth pains, right? That's all it is. We're being born again. They're just birth pains. That's good news because the birth pains eventually end and you get to come out on the other side. So that's a good thing to be to be hopeful for is the baby's going to have hope towards being out <laughs> of the praise and glory. Sorry, the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He's coming. He's going to appear. And at the end, it says receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls. Again, this is all by faith. And the word revelation means to reveal. All right, Colossians 1, 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It says about Jesus Christ. Revelation 1, 1 to 3 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things he saw. Blessed is he that readeth. That's actually good to know. You're blessed when you read the word of God. And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Yeah, I've said this a, a few times during different sermons that Jesus is about the business of revealing truth. He's about the business of revealing, not hiding stuff, not keeping secrets. That's what other religions like to keep secrets and, and do stuff in the dark and do stuff in the, in, in the mystery. That's not God's business. He's about showing us, teaching us, giving us wisdom and understanding. Acts 4, 12 Neither, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's all about Jesus. And the mystery is revealed in Christ. And that's the only way. Uh, First Thessalonians 5.14, we see that we are to warn them that are unruly. Sorry, a little bit of segue here. Uh, we preach warning every man. Why would you warn every man because you don't want every man to be going to hell let's warn them of the punishment to come that they would repent and trust in jesus christ and you see the the theme here warning uh, i've set watchmen on the house of israel why would you set a watchman to warn when bad things are coming 
Second Chronicles 19.10, you shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord. Okay, warning to keep us from sin. Remember what the scriptures are designed for. The scriptures in, in Second Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So sound doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction of righteousness is warning and wisdom. Both of them, right? Reproof doesn't sound very good when somebody's reproving you or correcting you. We don't kind of like that too much. Necessary. And why? So that we can be perfect for the perfecting of the saints. And so that um, we're blessed and equipped and given all the things that we need necessary into life and salvation. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing and in heavenly places in Christ. And wisdom. Jesus told us, Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to be wise, preaching wisely, saying things wisely. And this is, uh, Jesus said, Take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak for it's not ye that speak but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you and that's praiseworthy that we can have that hope that when we're facing uh the trials and those things that paul was talking about that the holy spirit will give us the right things to say when we're in those situations and and uh he says until the son of man becomes so bear in mind that this is going to be our life we're going to have to put our trust in Jesus for the words we need to say and, and act wisely. Uh, and for the world's sake, 1 Corinthians 1 reminds us that the wisdom of God's foolishness to the world. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. But of him, you're in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as he has written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And that's where our glory is. We, we trust the Lord for the right things to say and for wisdom. And we can give that glory back to the Lord. All right. Verse 28 talks about every man. Remember, I, I kind of stressed this a lot. It's to teach all nations. Jesus told us in a great, or told the disciples in the Great Commission, he says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. This is our hope. Christ is in us even till the end. Christ is in us. Amen. And uh, similarly, he also said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. About faith again. And then John 3.16, our, our very famous verse, for God so loved the world. Who? The world. Right? Not just the Jews or not just uh, a few special chosen people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And John 3.36 is a he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth on the Son. So that's anyone who believes on the Son has everlasting life. Those who don't, the wrath of God abides on them. That's why we pray for our neighbors. We pray for those people that we work with. We, we pray for the, all the unbelievers that they would repent and trust in Jesus Christ. That they would believe on the Son and have everlasting life. They would have a hope hope of glory I think I'm hearing somebody else's microphone in the background I can't tell who's uh, Colossians 1 28 continues that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus and again that was what the job of the word of God was we saw in 2nd Timothy 3 16 it says the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Um, sorry, I, I tied together two thoughts there. Uh, Colossians 1.22 says that we know that the word of God is to make us perfect. And Jude 1.24 also says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. His glory... And we are going to be presented, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, will be presented clean and glorified. You know, that's the thing we 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 go we are thinking about the communion table and the uh, the blood washing us clean. We're going to be presented clean. Um, it's Second Corinthians eleven two says, as a chaste virgin virgin to Christ. You know, I think we all hate our sin. We all hate that. Uh, no good thing that dwells inside of us, the flesh that keeps us dragged down on this earth and we keep finding ourselves doing things we don't want to do. And yet, because of the sacrifice of Christ and because we're part of the body, he's made us clean. And we can really be thankful in that. We It gives us hope because if we had to face God with all that sin stuck to us and uh, this, the, the flesh, we would be full of shame. We don't have to be full of shame. We can stand before the Lord one day and say, uh, glory be to God, holy, holy, holy. And he will say, you know, come here, my son, my daughter, my child. That's a, just such a glorious thing. So we're presented as a chaste virgin. We'll be presented um, uh, in fine linen, clean and white. Uh, Revelation 19 says that, it says, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in the fine linen, clean and white, for the linen is as the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto, unto me, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And going into the next chapter, uh, Colossians 2, 1 says, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them of the Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. And because of the reference to Laodicea, I went and looked at Revelation 3 and, and I saw again, the Revelation 3.20, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, many men open unto me, I'll come and sup with him. I was like, isn't that so cool how that chapter, this reference to Laodicea, connects us with Christ in us and a hope of glory, a hope of being uh, able to sit on the throne with him one day. Um, 
Jesus warned that church of the consequences of their lifestyle of complacency and sin, uh, of, of trusting of riches. Uh, Jesus gives them opportunity to repent. Jesus gives this church and um, tells them to open their hearts to him and let them dwell and commune with him. Uh, and he also promises to make them sit upon the throne with him. So he that is so merciful and that is, is so amazing. So even though they are still doing things in their flesh, uh, still struggling with sin in their lives, they have the opportunity to repent and and be with their Lord. That's hope and have, have having Christ well inside them. You know, um, I'll come in, he says, I'll come in, I'm knocking, open the door and I'll come in. And he says, uh, Revelation 3, uh, yeah, going to 20, of course, it's, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame, also overcame, and am set down with my father in his throne. So they're warned. Remember, that's what the, the, um, the preaching was about, wisdom and warning. And that's to encourage them to do right for the glory of Christ. Colossians 2, 2, is their hearts might be comforted. Anytime you read in the word of God and you see the word comfort, um, well, you can tie that directly with hope. And you can also think Holy Spirit. And that is the, the title of the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Um, and I was thinking about comfort and I was like, hey, wait, isn't Noah's name comfort? And it is. So Noah's name means comfort. And he found that in the ark amidst the turmoil of the flood. So all, all the difficulties in life that are going on, um, Noah, his name is, is comfort. And he had lots going on. For 100 years, he's building that ark and he's got to put up with and deal with uh, sin in the world and, and, a and ridicule and a lot of things going on. And despite that, he still had hope because who would build an ark for a hundred years if he didn't have a lot of hope. And before the rains came, the wrath of God, the rain coming down, the wrath of God being poured out, um, God called him to come into the ark. And I think that's always such a profound, profound little reminder of, of how we are called. He called him in and uh, yeah, he said, come, come, come into the ark. He, in order for that to happen, of course, God had to be inside the ark. So that's also, uh, a very exciting thing to build our faith he calls us into the body of christ and it's in there it's it's in the body of christ it's being in in the lord jesus that we get through all that trial and tribulation and turmoil and and we get saved saved from wrath saved from all that torment all right so comfort i just want to go through a few more things on comfort we know psalm 23 He's yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And interestingly enough, the rod and the staff are there to correct. <laughs> They're there to correct. All right, Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and bring forth unto singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people. And if you dig into the Bible, you're going to find the word comfort a lot, or versions of the word comfort a lot. God comforts his people. This is, uh, as for 
one whom his mother comforted, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's what Jesus said. They shall be comforted. And Psalm 119, 49 to 56 says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. That's the hope. This is my comfort in my afflictions, for thy word hath quickened me. It's given me life. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet I have not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. God's word gives us comfort. And we can have hope in that. Thou hast caused me to hope. Oops. And comfort and hope are intrinsic. John 14, 15 to 31, we see, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth in you. Sounds familiar. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he sends his Holy Spirit to be in us too. And shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. When Jesus says, I will come to you, we can have hope and faith in that. And he also says, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That's dwelling in us. God dwelling in us. And he also talks a few other times about the comforter coming to us. Jesus said that uh, the comforter has come who I will send unto you from the father. He'll send the comforter unto you. And uh, in Acts 9, we saw that uh, the churches had rest, that comfort in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit gives us comfort. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is rest, and he gives us rest and comfort. Uh, comfort from Jesus. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 to 14, he says, And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Right? Christ dwelling in us, the hope of glory. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Second Thessalonians 2. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope, hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And, of course, as the body of Christ, we are together. We are joined together. We are being knit together in love. Colossians 2 also says that all, body, all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. And Ephesians 2, 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And again, a couple chapters later, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. We are put together tight. Riches of full assurance. That's comfort and that's hope. So the full assurance. 
when you have full assurance, you can be very comforted of understanding the mystery of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. The wisdom and understanding, First uh, Timothy 3.16 says, without, great, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh, justified of the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received in the glory. Again, there is the mystery of the gospel, mystery of godliness, the mystery of Christ, that he came and died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he offered that salvation to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. So preaching to the Gentiles right there in the mystery. He died for our sins, even the sins of the whole world, that whoever believes in him will be saved, both Jews and Gentiles. And Romans 10, 11 and 13, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over, sorry, the same Lord over all is rich unto them that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's rich unto all that call upon him. Further to the riches of his grace, we see that um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We saw that earlier. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together one, all in, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. There's your mystery. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And we also obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ and whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is the earnest expectation. That is the promise. And it says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. The earnest is that, that down payment of our inheritance until redemption of the purchased possession unto praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, 
that you might know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which there's no greater power which he wrought in Christ and when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things the, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So I love these parallel passages that, that say, say the same thing again, a little differently. So it really makes that understanding strong. We are all in Christ. We're the body of Christ. And we have that hope. And in verse 2, we have the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. Ephesians 6, 18 says, And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of God. I love that, to make known the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul's mystery is all about. Verse three, we are hid. The mysteries were, the mysteries, not we are hid, sorry. Um, the mysteries were hidden in the Old Testament, but now are revealed through the New Testament. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. First John 2, 2 to 5 says, and he is the pro propitiation. If you don't know what propitiation means, it means a one-time offering that pays for all. It's pro meaning one. It's the one time offering. Jesus Christ died once. That's all he needed to do to pay for our sins now and forever and, and in the past. So, so he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He saith that I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He's the propitiation for our sins. That is a treasure. Because we don't have to worry about, was it enough? Do we have, does, do we have to do something else? Do we have to add to the plan of salvation? Nope, we don't. Jesus did it. We have a, a religion of done. He did it. Second Peter 1, 2 to 10. You read that earlier. I'm just going to highlight a couple points. The knowledge of God and of our Lord. That's one of those treasures. The knowledge of God and our, of Jesus, our Lord. To the knowledge of him that called hath called us to glory and to virtue. And we're told that uh, to our faith that we should add virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and temperance patience and patience godliness. One of those treasures is knowledge. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Colossians 2, 4, I say, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Enticing words, that's the enemy. That says their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. 
the poison is in the mouth of a snake of a dragon it's in the like a komodo dragon they have a bite that's poisonous the wine is the poison of dragons and cool venom of acid in genesis 3 1 we said that the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field and how did he get beguile he beguiled with his words he actually be, um, eve said the serpent beguiled me and jesus jesus warned he told the jews who were trying to attack him and his disciples. He says, you are the year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Comes from the mouth. It's, it's something we have to be so careful today. There are so many that are out there trying to get us with enticing words. I mean, actually, you just have to look at your emails. You just have to look at um, the advertisements that are out there today. And there's just so many sneaky things. We have a website, old website for uh, one of our companies. We changed the name of the company. And once the, the, the website domain was left out there for a while, this scammer took over the domain name, created a false shop. And we were getting phone calls about Harley Davidson parts, which don't have anything to do with us. And um, it turns out that there's customers who are buying Harley Davidson parts from a company that doesn't exist. And they're paying for them and not getting them. It is so much scamming today. It's just, it's everywhere, everywhere we turn. Uh, so be very careful, be very diligent to check to see what, what people are saying against the Bible. Is it true? Because they will try to entice you, to beguile you, to add things that sound good. Remember what Satan told Eve? He says, this will give you the knowledge and you can be as God and you know, these things that are enticing. And finally, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. And I love that part that being part of the body of Christ, Paul is a part of us and he's been passed on for, for millennia. <laughs> but he's part of the body of Christ. So it doesn't matter about time. It doesn't matter about location. Once you're in the body of Christ, we are all knit together in Christ Jesus and can't wait to be called home together. It's beholding the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. John 20, 31 says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And if you have it, if you're coming to church or you're listening to this and you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't decided that you're going to believe that Jesus took your sins away, that he died on the cross and to pay your punishment, the punishment that you deserve, then I encourage you to read these scriptures and meditate on them and make a decision to trust in Jesus Christ. Turn away from those sins and follow him. Romans 8, 24 says, we are saved by hope. Well, that's the hope of our calling. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what man, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Right? So it, it, it says that faith is the substance of things not yet seen. So we have hope in something we can't see yet. And that is going to be uh, our glorious time when we see christ come back for us uh what is what is heaven we can't see it right now but we hope we hope for it 
First uh, John 5, 1 says, Whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. See, we become part of the family. We become co-heirs with Christ, sons of God. And when we're when you're family, you love each other. <laughs> it's all um, full of grace and mercy and love. And just want to finish off just looking at this one last portion of Colossians 1 27 says to whom um, to whom God would make known where he makes known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry among you I'm sorry among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory so for each one of us Christ would dwell in our hearts he um, sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts and he gives us hope, hope for the day where he's going to call us home, to be with him, to be able to sit on the throne with him, to be co-heirs with him, to um, to bow before him, to worship him, to stand up and give us a toast to Christ and the things that he has done. I hope for that. I hope that you hope for that. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And I thank you for those who are listening that endured my long, long, long talk. And I'm sorry that it took so long. Well, I thank you that you do give us these opportunities to, to, to just see so many scriptures. And I pray that none of it would come back void. And I know that I'm successful in that prayer because that's what you promised, that the word of God doesn't come back void, doesn't return void. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless this church. I pray that you would bless those that hear your words and that they would have hope. They would have hope in the glory of Jesus Christ. They would have hope and faith and, and standing sure and steadfast, even when there's turmoil, even when there's difficulty in, in life, even when there's sometimes doubt, that you would give more faith, a greater measure. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.